I'm Tony Graves with Little American Miniature Horses in Buda, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. We'll always be cattle country in the Texas High Plains, but we are seeing more sheep and goats being raised in our region. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Attendees at the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention hear from the Secretary of Agriculture about the importance of crop insurance and conservation measures. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the Secretary of Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 2024 rolls in with new challenges for farmers and ranchers and some really cold weather. Hello, I'm Barry Mollard. I have the story in today's report. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Texas farmers and ranchers are in Salt Lake City this week for the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention. AFBF President Zippy Duvall took to the stage to kick off the annual gathering and look back on some of the organization's successes over the past year, like the work on the Environmental Protection Agency's controversial Waters of the U.S. rule. We all saw a major victory at the Supreme Court on WOTUS. The highest court in the land agreed with what we've been saying all along. The justices unanimously struck down the EPA's significant nexus test. He also highlighted the work that grassroots members did on the farm bill. 2,300 of our grassroots members and leaders came to Washington, D.C. in 2023 to advocate for the farm bill. Many others have amplified our message on social media and through testimonials. And Duvall says that work will continue into this coming year. Now, thankfully, we've achieved a farm bill extension, but we need to get even louder. Now, I know that we need to get through the budget process, but we also need to tell Congress and urge them to pass a new modernized farm bill. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack also addressed the Farm Bureau Convention on Monday. More than 40 percent of Texas is now totally drought-free. According to the latest U.S. Drought Monitor, 41.3 percent of the state is now totally free of drought. That's down two percentage points. 31.43 percent of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up a little over 1.4 percentage points from the same time last week. Only 4% of the state is now suffering from extreme drought. That includes an area in far west Texas near El Paso, Presidio and Jeff Davis counties, Williamson County in central Texas, Bear and surrounding counties in south Texas, and in Newton, Jasper, and Sabine counties in southeast Texas. 
Around 6.97 million Texans currently live in an area impacted by drought. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A Texan is elected to a leadership position on the American Lamb Board. Texas sheep producer David Fisher was elected vice chairman of that board at their recent leadership meeting in Denver. Kansas sheep producer Jeff Ebert was elected chairman. The American Lamb Board represents all sectors of the American lamb industry, including producers, feeders, seed stock producers, and processors. The Texas High Plains is cattle country, but James Hunt tells us there are more sheep and goats being raised in that part of Texas. At a recent producer education meeting, I had a conversation with Pippa Gibbons of the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine. We talked about raising sheep and goats, which Dr. Gibbons says is growing in popularity in the Texas High Plains. And even nationwide, the data shows us that the number of sheep and goat producers is increasing, and especially those that have smaller flocks. So it's increasing, and that's why we want to teach it to our students, because a lot of people will be exposed to small ruminants. So why do you think there is this increased interest? I think one of the things is that people are more aware of where their food are coming from when they want to enter agriculture. It's an easy in, in terms of financial commitment compared to cattle. Let's go with that. You start off with the financial side of things that may be easier than cattle. Are there other, let's say, pluses and maybe some minuses if you are going small ruminant versus cattle? One of the other pluses is the handling facilities you need tend to be a lot easier. It's much easier to manage them with a good handling facility. But again, it's not the investment that you could potentially need for cattle. And the number of small ruminants per acre can be increased. They do very well, some breeds, on rough pasture, which is suited to our environment here. They will need some supplementary feed, but typically feed costs are lower. One of the challenges is marketing these animals. And so typically we don't think of lamb, mutton, or goat meat as a major source of protein in the U.S., but in certain ethnic markets, it's really important. We're blessed here in the Panhandle to be fairly close to some livestock auction markets that actually handle a lot of sheep and goats, so we have an outlet to market our animals. And we'll talk more about sheep and goats with Dr. Pippa Gibbons of Texas Tech tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Secretary of Agriculture spoke at this week's American Farm Bureau Convention. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Texas farmers and ranchers, along with agricultural producers from the other 49 states and Puerto Rico, heard from Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack on Monday. The head of the U.S. Department of Agriculture addressed the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Salt Lake City. I think at the foundation of our economy and our value system is American agriculture. The farmers and ranchers and producers across this great country that work hard every single day to provide extraordinary diversity of product. So I think it creates for me as the Secretary of Agriculture and for all of you a sacred responsibility focused on conserving. First of all, conserving those natural resources, and that's why it's important for us to continue to work collaboratively together in partnership to utilize the resources that are now available under the Inflation Reduction Act that expand dramatically the amount of resource and support for conservation. We want to continue to work to use those resources in a way that allows you to enrich the soil, to improve water quality, to conserve those resources. 
I think it's important and a sacred responsibility on our part to ensure that we conserve the opportunity to continue to farm, notwithstanding the fact that farmers, ranchers, and producers across the country are often faced with disasters. We know that we've seen a market increase in the intensity of those disasters. And so it's important for us to continue to focus on risk management, on crop insurance, to ensure that we, in fact, can provide the assistance and help. So I had the opportunity to visit with the state presidents of the Farm Bureau's represented here today. And I shared with them our commitment to expanding crop insurance. That is Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack at the 105th Annual American Farm Bureau Federation Convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2024 is bringing new challenges for Texas farmers and ranchers, including some very cold weather. Barry Mahler has this update from North Central Texas. It seems that the best way for me to get a handle on what's going on in the farm and ranch world is to listen to discussions at the coffee shop lately. We had a little break from the serious issues of the day during the holidays, but now it's kind of back to business. What I'm hearing most these days, other than comparing notes on how thick the ice was on the pond, is concern for lower commodity prices across the board and inputs that seem to be much slower to come down a little. It seems that the grains, cotton, and even the livestock markets are lower than just a few months ago, making it a struggle to break even under these conditions. Now, economists tell us that inflation is cooling. But just because the things we buy didn't go up as much in the last quarter as they did before doesn't mean that they're now affordable. Input and operating costs are high, and it looks as though commodity prices are falling faster than our input costs. Let's take fertilizer prices. They're trending lower, but not falling dramatically, and there is the possibility they could go back up with higher natural gas prices and instability around the world. Now, this is high on the list of concerns for farmers on the rolling plains because it is top-dressed fertilizer application season, and that's going on right now. It's very difficult for farmers to make spring planting choices as profit margins are razor-thin or non-existent for the grains and cotton. And what happened to the 23 Farm Bill? Well, it was postponed mainly to all the political turmoil in Washington, D.C., and even though we have an extension of the current legislation, the old bill does not address the effect of inflation on agriculture and leaves the support levels much lower than is needed. I'm told that we have two windows for the Farm Bill to move forward in 2024. One is right now, early in the year, and the other is after the November election. We shall see. Meanwhile, the work goes on out in the country with most attention right now on taking care of livestock due to cold January weather and shopping for a bargain for fertilizer and looking at seed and chemicals for the spring. This is Barry Mahler reporting from along the Red River for Texas Ag Today. Texas anglers have a chance to win a $5,000 gift card. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll explain more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many horses today do not need shoes. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? 
Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Broadcasting from a padded room in the basement of the Texas Farm Bureau World Headquarters, here's Carrie Martin with more Texas Ag Today. Many horses today do not need shoes. Dr. Bob Judd has some more tips on transitioning your horse from shoes to bare hooves. Dr. O'Grady indicates there is a difference in trimming if you are going to have the horse shod versus remain barefoot. When the horse is to be shod, the foot needs to be trimmed, but when the horse is to be barefoot, the foot is shaped. Instead of trimming the toe with nippers on a horizontal plane, the toe is trimmed with nippers and a rasp at a 45-degree angle and then shaped with a rasp around the circumference for being barefoot. The horny sole must remain intact, and the heels are placed in a load-sharing state by trimming the heels with a rasp still on the same plane as the frog. The hoof wall is left 3 to 5 millimeters longer to provide maximal protection and a thick bevel is created around the perimeter of the hoof wall in barefoot horses. Horses that are transitioned from shoes to barefoot should develop a hard hoof wall, a thick sole callus at the sole wall junction at the toe, the hoof wall bar junction should become stronger, and the frog thicker and wider. Two common problems of shod horses are a sheared heel and low underrun heels, and both of these require barefoot trimming to treat. Sheared heels are due to an asymmetrical landing pattern that overloads one side of the foot and causes upward displacement of one heel or quarter at the coronet. Removing the shoes allows the weight to be redistributed on the bottom of the foot and allows the displaced area to settle into a more acceptable position. Horses with underrun heels should have the underrun portion rasped back to the same plane as the frog, so the frog will be weight-bearing. These horses should be taken out of work until new heel grows. Placing a wedge on the horse with underrun heels makes the condition worse rather than better. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers have a chance to win a $5,000 gift card. Jessica Dommel tells how in today's wildlife report. Anglers are helping to create bigger, better bass in Texas. Earlier this week, we told you that the first share lunker of the season, a largemouth bass weighing 13.79 pounds, was caught on J.B. Thomas Reservoir by Lawrence Lee. The bass was loaned to the Toyota Sherlunker program for selective breeding, and she won't be alone. Natalie Goldstrom, Toyota Sherlunker program coordinator, tells us the second and third Sherlunkers of the season were reeled in on OHIV in the San Angelo area. We got the phone call from Lane Olson that he caught a Sherlunker bass weighing in at 13.26 pounds. And while we were on the road to pick up his fish, we actually got a call from Bobby Walden. And he also had a Sherlunker weighing in at 14.75 pounds, caught at the same reservoir. They were at the same marina. So how convenient for us to be able to pick up two Sherlunkers in one day. Anglers can loan largemouth bass weighing 13 pounds or more to the program through the end of March. If you're fishing in Texas and you happen to catch a bass that's 13 pounds or heavier, you can actually call the Toyota Sherlunker program and share your fish with us. 
We make sure that the weight is verified at that 13 pounds or heavier. And then we'll send out a team to come pick your fish up. We'll drive it back to one of our Texas hatcheries and we will spawn her with a male descendant of another Sherlunker. So the offspring that they produce are genetically superior and should also create bigger, better bass. Later in the year, the spawn that come from the loaned lunkers are divided up and distributed to their reservoirs that contributed a legacy class Sherlunker. Anglers who loan a fish to the program will receive a catch kit with merchandise, decal, VIP access to the Sherlunker Awards event, a replica of their fish, a swag pack from Bass University, and an annual subscription to Bass University. They'll also be entered into two drawings to win a $5,000 Bass Pro Shops shopping spree. To see this year's leaderboard and find out how to loan your fish to the program, visit TexasSherlunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. the number one rated farm and ranch radio network in Texas. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cattle futures rebounded on Tuesday to close higher on both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle up 87, closing at 174.65, April up 92 cents, 177.82. With June live cattle up 67, 174.95. Same thing on the feeder market with January feeder cattle up $1.17, 231 even. March feeders up 237 at 233.65. The April contract up 245, 239.55. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet for the week. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 234 at 301.01. Select up 287, 289.45. Now let's head out to the country to check a few feeder cattle auctions. We'll start up in the Panhandle in Wilderada. Lone Star Stockyard sold 751 head last week. Feeder steers and heifers sold mostly one to two dollars higher. Medium and large frame number one steers four to five hundred pounds, averaged 288 a pound. Five to six weight steers averaged 275. Six to seven hundred pounders brought 236 to 252, with seven to eight weight steers bringing 222 and a half last week in Wilderada. Tulia Livestock sold 975 head in Tulia last week. Feeder steers and heifers sold one to four dollars higher. Medium and large frame number one steers three to four hundred pounds, average 337. Four to five weights 288 to 305. Five to six hundred pounders 271 to 305. Six to seven weight steers 230 to 255. With seven to eight weight steers bringing 208 to 229 last week. In Tulia. Cattlemen's Livestock in Dalhart had 2,343 head last week. Feeder steers sold 10 bucks higher. Feeder heifers 
$5 higher. Medium and large frame, number one steers, three to 400 pounds, 294 to 343. Four to five weight steers, 289 to 342. Five to 600 pounders, 258 to 296. Six to seven weight steers, 247 to 267. With seven to eight weight steers bringing 228 to 237 a pound last week in Dalhart. In San Angelo last week, steer and heifer calves and yearlings sold firm. Three to four weight steers, 325 to 342. Four to five weights, 314 to 317. With six to seven weight steers averaging 252. Back over to the futures market now. Raleen hogs closed sharply higher on Tuesday. February hogs up 237, 7330. The April contract up 270, closing at 80.32. Class three milk slightly lower. January milk down a penny, 1520 a hundred weight, while February milk was down 22 cents, 1567 a hundred. Cotton closed mixed, the nearby contracts lower, deferred contracts higher. A slightly higher dollar may have kept the lid on any gains in the cotton market on Tuesday. March cotton down 23 points, 84.60. May down 5, 85.81. With new crop December holding above 80 cents, it was up 40 points at 80.88 cents. Only fractional gains in the corn market with March corn up three quarters, 446 and a half. May up a half, 456 and three quarters while September did gain one and a quarter cents to close at 470 and a half. In the wheat complex, hard wheat made nice gains. Soft wheat, not so much. March Kansas City wheat up 10 and a half, 617 and a half. New crop July up five and a half at 620 a bushel. But not much moving on the soft wheat in Chicago. March was unchanged, 596 and a half. With new crop July up three quarters, six twelve and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas was up three cents, two forty-five. March West Texas crude oil down twenty-seven, seventy-four forty-nine a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down sixty-eight points, thirty-seven thousand nine thirty-three. The Nasdaq up fifty-eight, fifteen thousand four eighteen. The S&P up 14 points at 4,864. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.